The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Derek Dorch of the Diversa Group, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch. Derek walks you through how to win government jobs, effectively manage your government career, and best utilize government services. Every week on Fed Access, you'll learn about interesting federal agencies, workers, and careers. Fed Access provides you the access you need to succeed in the federal government. And now your host, Derek T. Dorch. Welcome to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Thank you for joining the show. We are always glad to have you. Today, we've got a special guest in front of us all the way from Ohio. She's coming on up and she's Erin O'Brien. She's running a program that we're going to be talking about that deals with intelligence training. But let me make sure I got her title right. It's Director of Education and Training Services at Wright State Research Institute. Is that right, Erin? That is correct, Derek. Hey, thank, thank you. you for coming all the way up from Ohio. We're going to talk about that in a minute because they're affiliated with a program in Wright State and they're doing some in- interesting things. A lot of times people don't think about intelligence outside the D.C. area, but we're going to be talking about that today and talking about the future of intelligence, the future of intelligence and training, and then kind of going from there. So welcome to Fed Access, Aaron. Thanks, Derek. Thanks for inviting me to be on your show to talk about my training programs. Yeah, it's my pleasure. So, you know, Wright State, you know, people kind of think about this. You guys are in Ohio. Talk about that. I know that Wright, you know, you got Wright Patterson Air Force Base and everything else. Tell us about the Wright State Research Institute and what are you doing there along in terms of kind of research with defense and other kind of programs? Well, Derek, Wright State Research Institute is an affiliated department with Wright State University. Uh, Wright State University it has the benefit of being in the backyard with Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. And there are a lot of very technical types of missions that go on there at Wright-Pat. So one of the great benefits about Wright State Research Institute is they have a partnership with the Air Force Research Laboratory. And the Wright State Research Institute experimenters, um, researchers, Uh, They are all about getting Mm -hmm. some of the technologies that AFRL is developing, testing those technologies to see if they can go into the commercial space. Also at Wright-Pat, a very key component of the intelligence community from a scientific and technical side is the National Air and Space Intelligence Center. Mm -hmm. So we have a great uh, relationship with NASIC, they call it for short, staying connected Mm -hmm. with what's going on Mm -hmm. in the intelligence community. That is good. You know, with all of that, has that been a partnership that has kind of just grown over the years? I know you have a program called the ATIC, the Advanced Technical Intelligence Center that you guys have started up. Is this kind of been a fostering from kind of maybe the 9-11 times in terms of the need for intelligence and also the outgrowth of intelligence where they've gone into different areas? I mean, you see people going out more to the Midwest, Colorado and other areas. Was that your program part of that growth? Well, uh, we had some very visionary congressmen in Ohio. That's always helpful. (laughs) And, you know, there were a lot of industrial changes that were happening in Ohio. We Mm. had some of our historically large uh, businesses that were unfortunately moving out of Ohio. And our congressmen recognized that there was this much bigger need in the intelligence community to help and create uh, growing the next generation of Mm. the analytic workforce. And so they set out on a campaign and got funding to create 
the Advanced Technical Intelligence Center. It was an amazing facility, uh, the largest secure uh, space mm-hmm. outside of the Washington, D.C. area. Wow. And it was meant to, you know, to fill a need in, in the Midwest okay. and begin um, a mission to provide a secure space, but also to start a training initiative that they saw as a long-term need. You know, that's interesting because a lot of time from Detroit, and we've talked about the Midwest a lot, and, you know, we've seen just the the, the changing of the Midwest, right? And the, all the automotive industry had left out. Yes. You know, a number of the, the big factories were gone. Yes. Same thing happened to Ohio. This happened to Michigan. And, and you've seen kind of the population changing. And it's interesting to see that, you know, and, and, you know, some people have talked about biotechnology, but it's interesting to see that, you know, beyond technology and other areas, somebody said, well, we need to bring intelligence studies into the Midwest as kind of part of a, a growing program and then maybe even feed off these bases. Are there a number of uh, good defense contractors down in your area as well since you've got Wright-Pat? And I mean, is that a big feeder for that? It is. The Dayton area, Wright-Patterson, of course, is the largest employer in the state of Ohio, mm-hmm. But truly, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base is really the heartbeat of, I would say, the Midwest, you know, defense mm-hmm. presence. Right, right, and so right. we do. We have a very right. large number of contractors okay. who, you know, really are vying for those opportunities mm-hmm. to support national defense. So there's a really good, strong presence there and a very diverse presence also of larger defense contractors mm-hmm. But also, it's a great starting point, great la- launching point for maybe some smaller uh, types of, you know, defense contractors, mm-hmm. veteran-owned, women-owned mm-hmm. types of small right. contractors right. that right. can get their foot in the door in, in that particular area. And I guess it lets people know that all the defense contracting business is not in D.C. or the Maryland or Virginia areas. You also have a, a growing market for that kind of stuff in, in the Midwest and Ohio yes. and other things like that. And do you see that market growing? I mean, do you see that market growing in the Midwest, you think? I definitely think that it's growing um, as, you know, the uh, the beltway and and all the, you know, the costs associated with operating here. You know, it's a there's a huge amount of business that's going on here. You know, there are indications that uh, the Dayton area, you know, it's kind of a crossroads of, of the Midwest and uh, cost of living there is very reasonable. So it's a good place maybe for mm. a bigger company like Booz Allen Hamilton. They right. just recently opened an office in the Dayton area. Interesting. Interesting. And uh, they have taken a really big step mm-hmm. and reached out to formalize a partnership with our school, okay. uh, really very interested in uh, actually hiring many of our graduates from our analyst training program. Really, really. Tell us about how your program prepares you know, like an analyst to get into that intelligence, you know, uh, a position, whether it be with a contractor or an agency. Tell us more about the actual program for the Advanced Technical Intelligence Center. Well, the Analyst Boot Camp Program has been in effect for going on eight years. Mm, okay. And uh, what we strive to do is develop critical thinking skills, problem-solving skills, uh, not just critical thinking, but also creative thinking. Mm-hmm. So it's not just that we can teach our students to analyze uh, large sets of data. Uh, the creative thinking aspect of figuring out how to solve those problems mm-hmm. and come up with solutions. Uh, we also focus heavily on analytic writing skills. 
Uh, if we target students who are in college, they have the uh, the, the, the journal writing, <laughs> the academic writing, right, right. and they want to write, you know, mm-hmm. 15 or 20 page mm-hmm. paper. Mm-hmm. And so we really turn that upside down and get them to focus on being clear and concise and write for clarity and purpose right. to enable someone at the highest levels to make a decision. That right. is really what we instill in them is that the role of an analyst is to enable a decision maker to make the best possible decision mm-hmm. based on the the evidence and really maybe the lack of evidence right. to right. make that decision. So the analytic writing is really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, equal to that is the analytic briefing, the okay. ability to stand up and deliver okay. that message to be concise and clear and to be able to keep track of your thoughts and learn how to answer tough questions. You know, I want to talk about it a little bit more because I think also, too, you bring a lot of technical skills to people in terms of kind of teaching them how to use some of the technical tools and everything else, which is a growing kind of market. I mean, are these databases and these different kind of analytical tools that you really kind of sometimes put in front of people to really give them the skill sets. I want to talk about that when we come back. We're talking to Erin O'Brien. She is Director of Education and Training Services at Wright State Research Institute. It's part of Wright State University. They've got a program there that deals with advanced uh, technical intelligence. And it's called the ATIC program, the Advanced Technical Intelligence Center. And it's out there in Ohio. They are partnering with Wright State, I mean, uh, with, with the, you know, the university, but also Booz Allen and Wright-Patterson Air Force Base and other things like that. And basically trying to teach, uh, well, I'm going to say young and old people, <laughs> but all ages, but, you know, especially for those young people, teach them the skills to become an intel analyst and maybe go into these markets and really support our country and other companies and everything else. We're going to keep on conversating about this and talk about the future of intelligence training and where it needs to go, especially with the number of different threats that we're dealing with in the future. Where is intelligence training going? We'll keep on talking about this conversation when we get back. Listen to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch from Federal News Radio, 1500 a.m. Welcome back to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. If you're just joining us, we have been talking about intelligence training, talking about intelligence education, talking about basically preparing the future of these intelligence analysts. I mean, you know, as the time grows and threats grow, we need to basically start preparing the next generation of intelligence analysts. There are a lot of people who are retiring from federal government. A lot of people are starting to move on and say, hey, my time is up. So we also now start start thinking about who's the future in terms of cyber intelligence, in terms of looking at these issues of North Korea and Russia and China and everything else. But what skill sets do we need to actually provide them? There's law enforcement intelligence. There's criminal intelligence. There's all these growing areas of intelligence. And we're talking about that today. We're talking to Erin O'Brien. She runs a program in Ohio that's with the Wright State Research Institute that's affiliated with Wright State University down in Ohio, right there near Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, but there's a program that they run called the ATIC program, the Advanced Technical Intelligence uh, Center, and it's a training program with a boot camp for intelligence analyst training, and they're partnering with a number of companies and agencies in order to prepare analysts for the future to take these roles. You know, Aaron, we were talking about the technical dynamics. You know, you mentioned a number of good things about the writing techniques, the analytical skill training and everything else. What about the technical components? And does your center really focus in on kind of teaching those skills and really getting them in front of those computers to look at these databases and access certain things? 
Well, our focus, Derek, is to expose our students to a wide range mm-hmm. of analytic skills to develop their what I call core skills of writing and speaking and being able to organize those problem sets. But we look at our students uh focusing them to be competitive for what we call the all-source analyst type of positions. So we teach them not only those core skills, but we're also exposing them to the intelligence disciplines, uh, what many uh, who are listening today might call the INTS, the GEOINT, geospatial intelligence. And we bring in people who are, our instructors are subject matter experts. They are people who are currently intelligence analysts, Uh, Perhaps they have been in the military and Mm -hmm. had a role in the intelligence uh, mission, and now they are wearing a coat and tie, still in that intelligence space. Many of them have become contractors, and so they have a lot to contribute to the student skill development, whether it is uh, understanding what multi-int analysis is, uh, the concept of the intelligence cycle, So the students get to understand the concepts and the terms and those processes of how intelligence comes to exist. So they understand that collection is a different part of the intelligence cycle from analysis. Uh, We have experts who come in and teach the students about order of battle analysis. Uh, I have a professor who comes all the way from Stanford University And he teaches a two-day class on chemical, biological, radiological, and nuclear threats and has the students engage in a very interactive um, exercise at the end of the second day. And he gives them uh, packets with basically data sets, and the students are Mm -hmm. trying to figure out, you know, is this this a threat? Is Mm -hmm. this, uh, you know, has this been an intentional type of, you know, tour... uh, Attack or anything Attack, else, yeah, yes, without question. And so the students get a good feel mm-hmm. for those different types of missions, mm-hmm. and and then at the same time we're talking about terrorism, and we're talking about transnational organized crime, and those are really really difficult topics. But the students who are attracted to our program, mm-hmm. they have a desire, mm-hmm. as you said a moment ago, to serve, right. And they want to serve our nation, whether it's in the criminal space or the national defense space. And so we want to give them a very broad exposure mm-hmm. to many of those disciplines so they can you know, decide what really does get them excited and right. what motivates them. And it helps them to decide maybe what path yeah. they want to be on. Yeah, yeah. You know, a, a couple of things drew me to what you know, we're talking about. One, it's a boot camp, right? It reminds me, and then, you know, you hit on a couple of things that just sent me back to my Marine Corps days, you know, thinking about that C. Bernie, you know, that whole piece. And even my old school days was in, that NBC, Nuclear Biological Chemical, and then it expanded to C. Bernie, that chemical, biological, radiological, you know, high-yield explosives and everything else, nuclear. And so with all of that, just even the, the, the range that they're getting of exposure, but it really does sound like a boot camp that's almost kind of almost like a military boot camp that you're getting a lot of, you know, skills and a lot of things kind of just put in front of you that you have to digest. Is, is that the case? Was it kind of almost built into that kind of program? Almost? It is. Okay. Um, when we call it a boot camp, you know, I, when I'm interviewing prospective students. Are you running students. people around too, Aaron? <laughs> 
Are you marching? Uh, no, I don't have marching in my <laughs> curriculum. It was one of my favorite things to do when I was in the Air Force. But right. uh, that we call it a boot camp because it's an intense full-time right. program. Right. Uh, it's a huge commitment to say that uh, over a 10-week period, right. uh, we're going to put in you know 40 hours every week. Mm-hmm. And when I'm interviewing prospective students, I tell them that part of the experience mm-hmm. is learning how to persevere. Right. right. And right. sometimes the subject matter might not be the most exciting to that particular student, but it's meant to give them some discipline and it's mental discipline, maybe not as much as physical discipline. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you find that you get the, the, the candidates from, you know, is it, is it prior military? Is it just coming straight out of college? Is it somebody who's making a transition into intelligence? I mean, where do you find that you're drawing and, and attracting the most people? And is it a program? You know, you said 10 weeks, and that's 10 intense weeks together, 40 hours a, you know, a week, you know, and that's, you know, in the rooms working and going through a number of classes and everything else. What, what would you say was the, is the ideal candidate for the program? Derek, I would say that the ideal candidate comes from all of those sources that okay. you just mentioned. Okay. And I think what's really valuable in us trying to solve the challenge of creating the analyst workforce of the future mm-hmm. is that those analysts need to be really diverse. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't have everyone thinking the same way, right? right? You know, that's one of the biggest dangers of, you know, bias is to have Mm -hmm. everyone thinking, Mm -hmm. you know, the same way. And so we find that our veterans are really great candidates to come into our program because they already have some level of that discipline that I'm talking about. And they've already demonstrated that, you know, that they want to serve their country. And so this gives them a pathway to come back into mm-hmm. that national defense space. But we also are going to colleges and universities uh, looking for, you know, those motivated right. young yeah. people yeah. who also have a desire to serve. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are several colleges that we uh, seek to establish partnership agreements. Mm-hmm. And a partnership agreement means that that university has recognized the value of what we're doing in our program and the rigor uh, where they are giving students internship credit for coming to our program. And then also those career Mm -hmm. changers, career transitioners Mm -hmm. that I call them, that is probably the most unique group. And, And I say that because if they are making a career transition, we need to be able to look at the experience that they're bringing into the analyst space right. to make sure that that is going to be a really good complement to get them into a new space and be right. successful. Right. Right, right. You know, all those things right there kind of tie into a great program. And then, you know, coming out of a boot camp scenario with really, really a high yield intensive scenarios, I want to talk about what they're producing. You know, I mean, you know, because I'm assuming that they've got a product that they're producing on a regular basis that when they leave out of this boot camp, they can show people this is my analytical trade craft right here. And so I want to talk about what they're doing and then we'll get into what is the future of intelligence? I mean, what are you seeing as kind of the horizon in terms of issues that we need to start focusing in on? What do we need to start training our people on and everything else as we go forward? We're talking to Aaron O'Brien. 
She's the director of education and training services at Wright State Research Institute. They're affiliated with Wright State University. Uh, she helps run a program called the Advanced Technical Intelligence Center, where she's bringing in a number of different experts, subject matter experts on intelligence, on sea burning, on terrorism, and everything else on law enforcement, and having them come in and teaching this next generation of intel analysts they go through a boot camp almost like the military Aaron spent time in the air force so she's bringing back my marine corps days and and, and sending back me into memories and so they have this boot camp that's really intense but really helping to prepare analysts for the future we're gonna keep on talking about this program when we come back you listen to fed access with Derek t dorch on federal news radio 1500 a.m Welcome back to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. If you're just joining us, we have been having a great conversation about intelligence and about intelligence education and training, about what's the future of these programs, what's the future of the analysts, what kind of skills do they need as they're kind of evolving. The new threats are evolving, and now we need to bring in a new breed of intelligence analysts, and we're talking about how we prepare people today. We're talking to Erin O'Brien. She's one of the educators of people in intelligence. She's one of those people who comes out of the military and now she's helping run a program at Wright State University at the Wright State Research Institute where she's a director of education and training services and they have a program a boot camp called the Advanced Technical Intelligence uh, a, a training program at the Advanced Technical Intelligence Center and so Aaron you know as we think about this and, and kind of think about the products you know that they're producing because in boot camp that is is it's all is very result oriented right and everything yes. else what are they producing when they get out? I mean, they're getting on the computers. They're learning the bluff method. They're learning, you know, certain kind of trade craft about the different ints. So where does it lead to? Do they have to produce things? Do they have to do briefings? What do they end up doing from the pro- from the program? Well, Derek, throughout the program, uh, it is really a progressive skill development experience. Mm, okay. And as we tell them about the intelligence community, how it's organized, the executive orders, the laws that govern uh, Mm -hmm. why the intelligence community exists and where those authorities and boundaries lie. You know, we start from there and then uh, we want to develop those uh, presentation skills, those oral communication skills. Mm -hmm. So throughout the program, uh, we will give the students different exercises and they will have the opportunity to maybe solve and answer some questions. And then they get up and they present in front of their peers and get some feedback. So that's an ongoing experience. Uh, But along the way, they will deliver several formal presentations Mm -hmm. And uh, we actually video record them. Mm, And so there's a little bit of pressure there knowing that they are getting recorded. But that's really for their benefit. And everyone in the class has a role. Uh, Some students are uh, formally evaluating Mm -hmm. them. Uh, Mm -hmm. Some students are designated to ask questions because that's another key part of being able to, you know, handle your audience and be able to answer questions And then as we get into that analytic writing block, the students get to pick a topic of intelligence value, uh, something that's relevant to what's going on today, some of those uh, current threats that most people know about. And then we have a a topic that I call Mm. out-of-the-box topics. And uh, we give the students the choice to pick one of those topics. And then we basically take them through a process for them to learn how to formulate a key intelligence question for that topic. 
So there's a little bit of, you know, simulation. We say, who would your customer be? Who would care about the answer to this mm -hmm. question? Mm -hmm. And then they will work through the writing process and they learn about the analytic writing standards and, you know, what does it mean to keep your objectivity and be free of political bias and mm -hmm. be as factually oriented as possible. And at the end of the program, they have an individual product that they can call their own. And many of my former students have told me that they have been able to offer, nice. you know, the prospective employer, That's good. you know, and tell them I have an intelligence product that I have completed. Almost like a portfolio. They're able to yes, show something. It's the beginning of a mm -hmm. portfolio. And mm -hmm. then they also get a few more opportunities to be recorded mm -hmm. as they are learning those analyst briefing skills and learning about the appropriate language mm -hmm. that we want them to incorporate right. into that briefing. So they get to watch themselves right. improve and evolve over time. And then at the end of the program, they actually do a team product and a team presentation. So they're taking, they're learning how to merge and synthesize analysis right. that they have done right. independently. But now how do we create a strategic, a, a strategic yeah. assessment, mm -hmm. taking into consideration your perspective mm -hmm. versus mine, mm -hmm. maybe having some of those aha right. moments. Right. And then at the end, that's another product that they can say that they collaborated on and, and then also working through the dynamics right. of presenting right. as a team and, you know, some of the choreography that goes along right. with that. Right. You know, that, that's so important because a lot of, you know, we talked about sharing, Right. In the community. And we talked about either the lack of sharing. Right. You know, that's been a trouble area sometimes. And so even kind of helping train beyond just the skill set, you know, and the writing skills and the presentation skills, but just getting used to kind of maybe working with somebody from another agency or from another team and then kind of saying, how can we collaborate together? And it's not about the stove piping. But it's actually about how do we share that information to get to the common goal? It sounds as if you, you, you're you really focused in on that. Yes. And we really try to uh, encourage, you know, that spirit of collaboration in the classroom. Uh, everyone who's in that classroom has something to contribute, a different perspective. Uh, some of the greatest classes that I have watched develop have had college students who are going into maybe their senior year, a few graduate students, mm -hmm. uh, some military veterans, and then some of those career changers mm -hmm. all coming together with really different perspectives. Mm -hmm. And everyone's perspective is, is valued yeah. Yeah. and and yeah. everyone has uh, some new knowledge. You know, we like to talk about creating knowledge right. when we talk about doing analysis. It's more than that news reporting. Right. And so everyone learns that mm -hmm. they don't have all the answers mm -hmm. and that uh, they often, you know, they'll need help. I, and one and of you the, can learn from everybody. One of the things that I tell the students is no matter where you work, mm -hmm. you will never publish an intelligence project with just your name on it. <laughs> right. Or your name may never be seen. <laughs> Right. You know, that that's interesting because we are in, in a, a changing time, you know, and, and I want to talk about that on the next segment. But before we go to the next segment, tell us more about you, Aaron. I mean, you know, you came from the Air Force. You know, now you're here as an educator. I mean, you know, someone who spent that military time and everything else. What's your background and how did you get to this point of kind of saying, you know what, I want to train the future? 
Derek, I never thought that I would end up in the intelligence community doing what I'm doing, but I truly feel like I am in the right place at the right time. I am a native of Dayton, Ohio, and I went to college at Wright State University. Didn't quite envision that I would come back and work there someday, Uh, but I was very, very excited about becoming an officer in the Air Force and going you know around the world that was my my vision and um, i ended up going into the human resource management uh, Mm -hmm. personnel career field and a unique opportunity was that i became a training professional within human resource management professional development Mm -hmm. training is a really really important part of the military And That's so a big point of what we do. Yeah, I we had, train people all the time. I had yeah. several assignments where I was a full-time instructional systems designer. Okay. Either evaluating programs that had been developed uh, by a contractor. Mm-hmm. I was at the 552nd Air Control Wing mm-hmm. and there were 27 different crew positions on the E3 AWACS mm-hmm. aircraft. Mm-hmm. And Boeing was our training provider and so I was an evaluator okay. I was in the classroom I was in the simulator and I even got to fly a little bit nice. watching how the <laughs> instruction go. was going right, so right. that was really what launched my passion for training mm-hmm. and the the importance of structure mm-hmm. in training programs mm-hmm. so I got to spend some time overseas uh, I had a great opportunity where I was actually on a joint assignment uh, in U.S. Forces Korea Uh, That created the requirement for me to get a security clearance. And I had a great opportunity to learn about those wartime missions of personnel accountability. Mm -hmm. And that's really what, you know, the human resource function brings to a commander to make sure that they have the the resources that they need to, you know, to fight and win those wars. That's right. That's right. And then I came back and I was a squadron commander and I got to oversee many of those training and human resource and family support types of functions And again, just adding to my knowledge base. And then I decided to retire and return to uh, the great state of Ohio. Mm -hmm. And next thing I knew, I found a job at the National Air and Space Intelligence Center where they needed someone who had an extensive amount of training experience and a top secret clearance. And next thing I know, I I was in the door and I said, but I'm not an intelligence analyst. And they said, we need your training expertise. And so that was really the beginning of me, you know, going into that mission space and learning very quickly about the, the real, the, the need, the need to have organized training in uh, the career field uh, because it's so complex and dynamic. And, you know, I really took all the experience that I had accumulated over the last 20 years And all of a sudden, I was just able to put that into practice, you know, applying training, organization, and structure against the intelligence community core competencies and to make, you know, valuable and meaningful training programs for those analysts. Wow. You know, what it reminds me of is that a lot of times people think of the intelligence community as just kind of the analyst. But there's so much that goes behind the analyst in order to prepare the analyst to be that person. 
in which, you know, that kind of reminds me of the HR function, the training and development people, and all these other components that really build up an Intel community. You know, it's a, it's a really a joint kind of process that really makes all these systems to for us to get the information to stop these threats yes. or to arrest certain people and everything else. And so we appreciate your service. Thank you. And thank you for doing what you're doing right now. We're going to take a quick break. We're talking to Erin O'Brien. She's the director of education and training services at Wright State Research Institute. They're a part of Wright State University and they run a special boot camp for intelligence training. Uh, to help to become an analyst. It's uh, out of the ATIC, which is the Advanced Technical Intelligence Center, and this 10-week boot camp is really focused in on really giving the skills and the training and, and, and helping people become qualified to become good analysts when they go into, whether it be a, a, a Booz Allen, whether it be one of the agencies, one of the three-letter agencies or four-letter agencies or whatever the case is, whatever you do, analytical skills are required. And so these things help you become a better analyst. We're going to keep this conversation going. We're going to talk about the future of intelligence, a future of intelligence and where it's going, what are the future threats, and how do we begin preparing our analysts to deal with these future threats when we come back. Listen to Fed Access with Derek T. Dortch from Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Welcome back to Fed Access with Derek T. Dortch on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. If you're just joining us, we have been talking about intelligence. We've been talking about intelligence training. We've been talking about how do we prepare the next generation of analysts to be these super analysts who are going to deal with all these number of critical threats that we've got going on right now. If you just look in the newspaper, just watch anything right now, we're waking up to a whole bunch of different crises that's happening in our world right now, whether it be North Korea, whether it be Russia, whether it be cyber threats, whether it be things that we're talking about space. I mean, there's all these different things, drugs and all these other areas that we are concerned about right now with our intelligence community, with our military, with our law enforcement, and just with everybody who's concerned about this, the business, the business community and everyone else. And so with this, we are really trying to talk about how do we prepare the next level of analysts to deal with these threats. We're talking to Erin O'Brien. She is Director of Education and Training Services at Wright State Research Institute. And you can just Google it, Wright State Research Institute. Just Google it because what's the website, Erin, if you want to give it real quick? It's wsri.right.edu. Got you. Or just Google Wright State Research Institute. Yes. <laughs> and so if you reach, if you Google it, you'll find a lot of the programs right there. But she runs a special program, a boot camp that's called the Advanced Technical Intelligence. Uh, 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 well, it's called the Advanced Technical Intelligence Center, but the boot camp is out of this program, a 10-week boot camp that focuses in on intelligence training and preparing people for the future. And I want to talk about the future right now, Aaron. What do you think? I mean, you come out of the, you came out of national, you know, the, the Space Intelligence Center. You know, you had a chance to see that. Everybody's talking about the threats of space. Where do you see intelligence going, and where do you see these critical threats at? Derek, the the critical threats. Uh, you know, if I say that, you know, it, it's a three sixty degree threat. Right. You know, the the threats are. You know, they're above us and, and around us, and it's it's not just that national defense type of concern anymore. You right. you, you alluded to that just a moment ago. There is a, a huge need in the, in the business sector, the financial sector, uh, the instances of credit card fraud uh, are, you know, increasing uh, at, a, at an alarming rate, and what we're trying to do is, you know, develop people who are out of the box thinkers. I think that's really what's very, very important to address all of these 
future threats because they are cyber threats. And we haven't even talked today about our other cyber analysis data security program, which is another uh, 10-week program focusing on developing some of those cyber security, uh, network defense monitoring types of skills, and making them competitive to go into a secure type of atmosphere with a clearance opportunity. But we're also uh, providing those cyber students an opportunity for training, excuse me, a training opportunity to complete the Security Plus uh, Mm. certification, which is uh, one of the very basic mandatory requirements that you must have to work in a federal government space today. But again, it's really about you know, the evolving nature of these threats. Uh, Many of my graduates uh, are going not only to those defense contractors to be what we would call a traditional intelligence analyst. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're going into the federal government working at Defense Intelligence Agency or uh, DHS, Homeland Security, Drug Enforcement Agency, Mm -hmm. uh, the Terrorism Screening Center, which Mm -hmm. is right here in Virginia, Mm -hmm. but they're also going uh, to work at the law enforcement at the fusion centers. Mm -hmm. And the feedback that I've gotten from the fusion centers Mm -hmm. and a company that was doing some of that fraud analysis that we had spoken about, uh, the feedback that I get is that our students have a very, very short training curve and they get a short amount of you know, an orientation to what the requirement is in that position, and then they are off and running. And it's because they have, they've had the opportunity and the structure to think about how do I look at this data set and how do I come up with, you know, a a path and a plan of action. And I think that's true uh, in, in the law enforcement. We talked a little bit about, you know, the, the terrible, you know, the, the drug trafficking right. that's going on across our country. It's going to take a lot of um, out-of-the-box thinking that's to right. come up with some out-of-the-box solutions to really restore, you know, stability that's right. in our country. That's right. That's right. And, you know, we, and we've got a number of situations that are going on. These young people have to be really adapting to social media intelligence gathering and looking at certain things and really kind of thinking in a way that maybe the old school didn't think about it, you know, in terms of, you know, really kind of looking at these threats and diving down into certain things and be able to find some of these people who are doing, you know, some of these very, very uh, heinous acts, you know, that, that are causing some issues in our in our own country or also everywhere else, whether it be terrorism or drugs or whatever, you know, cyber threats or identity, you know, theft and everything else. You know, with all of that, as, as, as I'm thinking, you know, we talked about uh, the dynamic of preparing. I know at one point in time you guys were helping out with security clearances. Is that something, and, and trust me, we know here at Federal News Radio, that's an issue we talk about all the time because we keep on hearing the, the, the delays, the delays in security clearances. Is that something that is still being done through the program or because of the delays you guys have had to really kind of, you know, say, well, we can't do it as much as we're doing it before? The opportunity to be screened for a top secret security clearance is still part of our program. Okay. Uh, those delays that you that you're talking about, yeah. they are still very, very real. Right. And 
we have to be really upfront with our prospective students when we're recruiting. We talk about that being a very, very unique benefit mm-hmm. about participating and completing our program. Mm-hmm. But we also have to be really upfront and let them know that they're not going to have that security clearance <laughs> right. by the time they finish right. we our 10-week program. We yeah. Right, right. Yeah. But um, it's on the horizon. Mm-hmm. And it if they can if they can hold on mm-hmm. and and you know find some other relevant work there are, right. are many of those emerging opportunities to work as an analyst in some spaces where the clearance is not required right. as we talked about the financial sector and if they can find those types of opportunities and we try to you know help them network and find those opportunities so i'm always looking for um employment opportunities uh that don't necessarily require that security mm-hmm. clearance. So our students feel like they have more options. Right. But clearly being able to earn that security clearance at that level really opens doors that uh, that really are unlike, right. you know, most other right. jobs. Right. You know, I mean, your program is such a unique one. And, and again, you know, the whole boot camp dynamic and kind of coming out of thinking about the military and, and you partnering with NASIC and partnering with a number of different people is a really, really great program. And I encourage people to take a look at it. It's out of Wright State University. It's called uh, the a- Advanced Technical Intelligence Center. It's out of a program at Wright State University called the Wright State Research Institute. You can find it if you Google Wright State Research Institute, began looking for it. Aaron, is your, is your information on there? Can they find your info or just hit, hit contact us? or how Hit would contact they, us, yes. And then put the intelligence program. So just hit contact us if you're interested in their program and then mention about the Advanced Technical Intelligence Center and somebody will get back to you about the program, about the boot camp. Yes. And everything else. So if you're a student who wants it or you're an employer, you know, or somebody who wants a partner. But the, 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 the growing opportunities outside of D.C. are there. And we want people to understand that, yes, the community is here, but it's also in Ohio. It's also in Utah. It's also in other places because some people may say, you know what, I want to go back home. <laughs> I'm from the Midwest. I want to go back home. And so we need people to also go back home sometimes and work where they came from, you know, and help those states get back and help those economies grow again, you know, because the Midwest has has had devastating effects Uh, coming from Detroit. I see it all the time, but we are hoping for that resurgence, that regeneration and that prosperity again in those areas and and programs like this also help with that in terms of building great analysts and maybe even have them working out of home. And where am I closing comment that I'd like to share is, is our success rate, right? You know, are we making a difference? Uh, We have to track our placement rates for our programs, and we have an historical placement rate of today it's 82%. And we only track the the graduates who actually enter into an analyst-related type of position. So if someone maybe has a change of heart and they go and maybe return to a non-intelligence or non-analyst type of job, yes, they got employed, but we're not... We're not taking credit yeah, for right, that. Right, 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 right. And so that is, uh, I think, a very important component of our program. We talk about making an investment. The mm-hmm. tuition for our program is close to $10,000, mm-hmm. but it's a huge investment and uh, you're filling a huge need. And we really want to make sure that people who complete our program feel like they have good opportunities to be successful. Thank you for your service and thank you for what you're doing with this program in terms of training the next generation. So we'll be talking more. So this won't be the last time we talk. We'll be talking more because I want to hear more about the program as it continues to grow. Thank you, Aaron. 
You've been listening to Fed Access with Derek T. Dortch on Federal News Radio 1500 AM. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear the entire show or any of our weekly programs anytime at federalnewsradio.com. Fed Access with Derek T. Dortch, only on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. At the Home Depot, we have the tools to make your holiday magic in the easiest way possible. With our easy-to-assemble artificial trees, you can have a fully-shaped, realistic tree up in your house within minutes. And you know your holiday look wouldn't be complete without our classic animated Santa that collapses for easy storage. Get free delivery on over 2 million eligible items, and you can spread holiday cheer to the whole neighborhood easily. The Home Depot. How doers get more done.